Section 13 of The Empire of Business by Andrew Carnegie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording is by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in September 2020. The Empire of Business, Section 13 labor the upward march of labor the progress of man from the earliest day up to the present has been one steady march upward now and then in divers regions seemingly checked receding for the moment only to be swept onward again like the waves of the advancing tide if it were still thought that the unknown had made man perfect but with an instinct for his own degradation which ensured his fall a call to return to the past would not have been astonishing but when we in our enlightened age know that man is an outgrowth from lower orders of life and has implanted within him the instinct which compels him to turn his face to the sun and slowly move upward toward that which is better rejecting in his progress after test all that injures or debases the call upon us by our socialistic friends to exchange the individualistic civilized present which we have reached after many hundreds of thousands of years of progress for the system of communism of the savage past is indeed startling there is no phase of human existence upon which we look to-day which does not show encouraging improvement over the past this progress made in obedience to the very nature of man created to ascend in intelligence tastes and conduct has made all the difference between the savage and the civilized being let us never forget that under present conditions the world has grown and is growing better and we steadily approach nearer the ideal never was there so much of the spirit of brotherhood among men never so much kindness never so much help extended by men and especially by women to their less fortunate fellows the writer scarcely knows a family intimately of which one or more members are not earnestly engaged spending their time and means in doing good thus giving not only their wealth but themselves to make brighter and better the lives of the less fortunate there are many of his acquaintances treading the path that leads to making earth a heaven less solicitous about heaven our home than hitherto but more about making home our heaven here in this life many indeed in our day will merit the epitaph if there's another world he lives in bliss if there be none he made the best of this it is not therefore to the savage past that we should look for guidance the part of wisdom is to hold fast to that which has proven itself good and to keep on as we have been doing marching upward the race is not led by the multitude but by the few exceptional natures just as all orders of vegetation have been and are improved by the exceptional plants from the sour crab to the apple of to-day from the love apple in america of the past generation to our succulent tomato exceptional plants arose and from these came others so in the animal kingdom from the wolf came the collie dog from a five-toed rude progenitor the horse all breeders perpetuate the best now in this progress the laborer has not failed to share with the employer if we contrast what he is with what he was the difference is great he was once a slave 
than a serf who did manual labor up to a century ago he was still a valine and was sold with the mine that is he could not leave it without the consent of the proprietor till recent times he was not paid in cash now he is a freeman and sells the labor the mine owner buys both equally independent in dunfermline some time ago the writer visited the cottage gardens for which prizes are given with the secretary of the horticultural society who is a working coal miner and a credit to labor he remarked that the masters and miners were that day conferring upon the wage question only a hundred years ago the writer replied your forefathers would have been transferred with the mines in case of sale now masters and men meet to-day as equals buyers and sellers what would be thought if the masters proposed a return to the old conditions with a twinkle in the eye never to be forgotten came the words ay there would be two at that bargain i'm thinking with their trade unions cash payments masters of themselves and their labor it is clear that working men have shared in the general advance the wand of progress has not passed them by untouched nor are we without evidence that the march of their improvement is not to stop following the same course with labor as with wealth the writer will make free use of what he has said in years gone by rather than give his views in new form since they remain to-day substantially as they were then expressed from an employer's view of the labor question forum april eighteen eighty six quote the influence of trades unions upon the relations between the employer and employed have been much discussed some establishments in america have refused to recognize the right of the men to form themselves into these unions although i am not aware that any concern in england would dare to take this position this policy however may be regarded as only a temporary phase of the situation the right of the workingmen to combine and to form trades unions is no less sacred than the right of the manufacturer to enter into associations and conferences with his fellows and it must be sooner or later conceded indeed it gives one but a poor opinion of the american workman if he permits himself to be deprived of the right which his fellow in england has conquered for himself long since my experience has been that trades unions upon the whole are beneficial both to labor and to capital they certainly educate the working men and give them a truer conception of the relations of capital and labor than they could otherwise form the ablest and best workmen eventually come to the front in these organizations and it may be laid down as a rule that the more intelligent the workmen the fewer the contests with employers it is not the intelligent workman who knows that labor without his brother capital is helpless but the blatant ignorant man who regards capital as the natural enemy of labor who does so much to embitter the relations between employer and employed and the power of this ignorant demagogue arises chiefly from the lack of proper organization among the men through which their real voice can be expressed this voice will always be found in favor of the judicious and intelligent representative of course as men become intelligent more deference must be paid to them personally and to their rights and even to their opinions and prejudices and upon the whole a greater share of profits must be paid in the day of prosperity to the intelligent than to the ignorant workman 
he cannot be imposed upon so readily on the other hand he will be found much readier to accept reduced compensation when business is depressed and it is better in the long run for capital to be served by the highest intelligence and to be made well aware of the fact that it is dealing with men who know what is due to them both as to treatment and compensation i therefore recognize in trades unions or better still in organizations of the men of each establishment who select representatives to speak for them a means not of further embittering the relations between employer and employed but of improving them it is astonishing how small a sacrifice upon the part of the employer will sometimes greatly benefit the men i remember that at one of our meetings with a committee it was incidentally remarked by one speaker that the necessity of obtaining credit at the stores in the neighborhood was a grave tax upon the men an ordinary workman he said could not afford to maintain himself and family for a month and as he only received his pay monthly he was compelled to obtain credit and to pay exorbitantly for everything whereas if he had the cash he could buy in pittsburgh at twenty-five per cent less well i said why cannot we overcome that by paying every two weeks the reply was we did not like to ask it because we have always understood that it would cause much trouble but if you can do that it will be worth an advance of five per cent in our wages we have paid semi-monthly since to avoid the excessive prices of the small stores i suggested a cooperative society which was promptly formed the first in the region another speaker happened to say that although they were in the midst of coal the price charged for small lots delivered at their houses was a certain sum per bushel the price named was double what our best coal was costing us how easy for us to deliver to our men such coal as they required and charge them cost this was done without a cent lost to us but with much gain to the men several other points similar to these have arisen by which their labors might be lightened or products increased and others suggesting changes in machinery or facilities which but for the conferences referred to would have been unthought of by the employer and probably never asked for by the men for these and other reasons i attribute the greatest importance to an organization of the men through whose duly elected representatives the managers may be kept informed from time to time of their grievances and suggestions no matter how able the manager the clever workman can often show him how beneficial changes can be made in the special branch in which that workman labors unless the relations between manager and workman are not only amicable but friendly the owners miss much nor is any man a first-class manager who has not the confidence and respect and even the admiration of his workmen no man is a true gentleman who does not inspire the affection and devotion of his servants whatever the future may have in store for labor the evolutionist who sees nothing but certain and steady progress for the race will never attempt to set bounds to its triumphs even to its final form of complete and universal industrial cooperation which i hope is some day to be reached the following extract is from an address delivered on opening the library presented to the workmen of homestead eighteen ninety eight quote, a partnership of three is required in the industrial world when an enterprise is planned 
the first of these not in importance but in time is capital without it nothing costly can be built from it comes the first breath of life into matter previously inert the structures reared by outside workmen equipped and ready to begin in any line of industrial activity the second partner comes into operation that is business ability capital has done its part it has provided all the instruments of production but unless it can command the services of able men to manage the business all that capital has done crumbles into ruin then comes the third partner in the works last in order of time but not least skilled labor if it fail to perform its part nothing can be accomplished capital and business ability brought into play without it are dead the wheels cannot revolve unless skilled labor starts them now volumes can be written as to which of the three partners is first second or third in importance and the subject will remain just as it was before political economists speculative philosophers and preachers have been giving their views on the subject for hundreds of years but the answer has not yet been found nor can it ever be because each of the three is all-important and every one is equally essential to the other two labor capital and ability are a three-legged stool there is no first second or last there is no precedence they are equal members of the great triple alliance which moves the industrial world we have seen the position which labor has reached in our day employee and employer meet upon equal terms it was the writer's province to confer with labor for twenty-six years and the more he knew of the workingmen the higher they rose in his estimation and regard sometimes but not often the worker may be misled by extreme men but as a rule a majority can always be depended upon to be fair and reasonable the following are extracts from an article this writer published in the forum april and august eighteen eighty six quote a strike or a lockout is in itself a ridiculous affair whether a failure or a success it gives no direct proof of its justice or injustice in this it resembles war between two nations it is simply a question of strength and endurance between the contestants the gauge or battle of the duel is not more senseless as a means of establishing what is just and fair than an industrial strike or a lockout it would be folly to conclude that we have reached any permanent adjustment between capital and labor until strikes and lockouts are as much things of the past as the gauge of battle or the duel have become in the most advanced communities among the expedients suggested for their better reconciliation the first place must be assigned to the idea of cooperation or the plan by which the workers are to become part owners in enterprises and share their fortunes there is no doubt that if this could be effected it would have the same beneficial effect upon the workman which the ownership of land has upon the man who has hitherto tilled the land for another the sense of ownership would make of him more of a man as regards himself and hence more of a citizen as regards the commonwealth while public sentiment has rightly and unmistakably condemned violence even in the form for which there is the most excuse I would have the public give due consideration to the terrible temptation to which the working man on a strike is sometimes subjected. 
to expect that one dependent upon his daily wage for the necessaries of life will stand by peaceably and see a new man employed in his stead is to expect much this poor man may have a wife and children dependent upon his labor whether medicine for a sick child or even nourishing food for a delicate wife is procurable depends upon his steady employment in all but a very few departments of labor it is unnecessary and i think improper to subject men to such an ordeal in the case of railways and a few other employments it is of course essential for the public wants that no interruption occur and in such case substitutes must be employed but the employer of labor will find it much more to his interest wherever possible to allow his works to remain idle and await the results of a dispute than to employ the class of men that can be induced to take the place of other men who have stopped work neither the best men as men nor the best men as workers are thus to be obtained there is an unwritten law among the best workmen thou shalt not take thy neighbor's job no wise employer will lightly lose his old employees length of service counts for much in many ways calling upon strange men should be the last resort this writer never attempted to run works with new men in his opinion strikes generally arise not so much owing to disputes about wages as to the lack of knowledge of the one party by the other the employer does not know the men and their point of view and their troubles and the men do not know their employer and his troubles neither does the employer know the virtues of the working man nor the working man the good qualities of the employer each looks only at one side of the problem lack of proper recognition of the workers by the employers as fellow men causes most of the labor disputes in domestic service where the two classes employer and employed do get to know each other as men and women there are few quarrels simply because each finds the other possessed of many endearing traits few are the families in which are not found valued servants living in their old age as members of the household or pensioned and living nearby in their cottages often visited the final relation between capital and labor labor and capital partners while we have said that labor has shared in the progress of the race considering from whence it started to the position it now occupies it cannot be claimed that conditions are satisfactory as they exist in the future labor is to rise still higher the joint stock form opens the door to the participation of labor as shareholders in every branch of business in this the writer believes lies the final and enduring solution of the labor question the carnegie steel company made a beginning by making from time to time forty odd young partners only one was related to the original partners but all were selected on their proved merits after long service none contributed a penny their notes were accepted payable only out of the profits of the business great care was taken to admit workers of the mechanical department which had hitherto been neglected by employers the first time a superintendent of one of the works was made a partner attracted attention but as we kept on admitting men who had risen from their ranks as mechanics we found it more and more advantageous the superintendents now sat in conference at the board with the managers in the office from this policy sprang the custom of bonuses awarded yearly to men in subordinate positions who had done exceptional work 
this class naturally felt that they were on the upward road to admission as partners their feet upon the ladder the problem presented by the combination of many steel works into the one united states steel corporation was not altogether new for individual and corporate management have coexisted since joint stock companies were formed the former had undoubtedly great advantages over the latter able men managing their own works in competition with large bodies of shareholders employing salaried managers were certain to distance their corporate competition and did so nothing can stand against the direct management of owners the united states steel corporation realized this and as a substitute resolved to adopt the policy of interesting its officers and employees in its shares some plan of profit-sharing was soon seen to present the best and indeed the only substitute for individual management this idea the writer highly approved in his presidential address to the iron and steel institute in london in nineteen o three but ventured to point out one serious defect the investments in the shares of the company proposed to the men were to be at the risk of the purchasers we added that this seems a feature we may however expect the corporation to change as experience is gained every employee a shareholder would prevent most of the disputes between capital and labor and this chiefly because of the feeling of mutuality which would be created now alas generally lacking to effect this every corporation could well afford to sell shares to its saving workmen giving preference in payment at cost as a first charge in case of disaster just as present laws provide first for the mechanics lien and for homestead exemption this is due to the workingman who necessarily buys the shares without knowledge and he is asked to buy them not solely for his own advantage but for the benefit of the company as well the advantage of both this view as expressed by the writer in the address referred to we rejoice to say has been adopted by the steel corporation and its last offer of shares guarantees the men against loss the managerial department is given bonuses every year upon the profits of the concern all this was hailed by the writer with intense delight as in his daydreams he had often meditated upon the plan of employees becoming joint owners with himself and partners perhaps he may be permitted to quote from the address referred to may nineteen o three london quote, i cannot speak too highly of this experiment nor give the steel company too much credit for making it since it is declared to be in the experimental stage and subject to future improvement as all new schemes should be its able and progressive author mr george w perkins is to be heartily congratulated thus we see gentlemen that the world moves on step by step toward better conditions just as the mechanical world has changed and improved so the world of labor has advanced from the slavery of the laborer to the day of his absolute independence and now to this day when he begins to take his proper place as the capitalist partner of his employer we may look forward with hope to the day when it shall be the rule for the workman to be partner with capital the man of affairs giving his business experience the workman in the mill his mechanical skill to the company both owners of the shares and so far equally interested in the success of their joint efforts each indispensable and without whose cooperation success would be impossible it is a splendid vista along which we are permitted to gaze 
perhaps i may be considered much too sanguine in this forecast which no doubt will take time to realize but as the result of my experience i am convinced that the huge combination and even the moderate corporation has no chance in competition with the partnership which embraces the principal officials and has adopted the system of payment by bonus or reward throughout its works the latter may be relied upon as a rule to earn handsome dividends in times of depression during which the former conducted upon the old plan will incur actual loss and perhaps land in financial embarrassment in speaking of corporations we must not forget however that there are many which are corporations in name only their management being the life work of few owners these rank with partnerships having all the advantages of this form the true corporation is that whose shares are upon the stock exchange and whose real owners change constantly and are often unknown even to the president and directors while to the workmen they are mere abstractions it is impossible to infuse through their ranks the sentiment of personal regard and loyalty in all its wonderful power the step taken by the united states steel corporation is therefore no surprise to me for i have long believed that such corporations would be compelled to adopt the best attainable substitute for the personal factor of the older system or suffer in the sagacious policy of the united states steel corporation i see proof of that opinion nor can i suggest a better form than that it has adopted always provided the workingman shareholder be secured against loss in the percentage allotted by the plan to reward exceptional officials we have for the huge corporation perhaps the best substitute attainable for the magic of partnership which nothing however can approach the reward of department officials may readily be secured under this provision in the bonus granted yearly upon shares held by the employees we have proof of regard for them which cannot but tell and the distribution of shares in the concern among them gives an advantage which so far no partnership even has enjoyed the latter will no doubt adopt the plan or find some equivalent for the workingman owning shares in absolute security will prove much more valuable than one without such interest and many incidental advantages will accrue to the company possessed of numerous shareholding employees who may some day see their representatives welcomed to the board of directors this would prove most conducive to harmony knowledge of each other on the part of owners and workmen being the best preventive of dissatisfaction if the investment of the workers savings be made secure the rapid extension of the plan seems certain and can be hailed with unalloyed satisfaction but in its present form it is obviously incapable of general application since the officials of few corporations could or would incur the responsibility of inducing their workmen to invest in their shares as a security and few corporations could or should inspire the needed confidence of labor that these are to enjoy an unbroken career of prosperity for such has not been the history of manufacturing concerns generally especially in our field to which we may well apply the well-known lines of hudibras ah me what perils do environ the man that meddles with cold iron the idea of making workmen shareholders and dividing a percentage of the profits among those rendering exceptional service 
will probably encounter the opposition of the extremists on both sides the violent revolutionist of capitalistic conditions and the narrow grasping employer whose creed is to purchase his labor as he does his materials paying the price agreed upon and ending there but this opposition will we believe amount to little it will even speak well for the new idea if scouted by the extremists and commended by the mass of men who are on neither dangerous edge but in the middle where usually lies wisdom meanwhile here is the germ of a promising plan offered as a solution for one of the pressing problems of our age which may prove capable of development let us receive study and discuss it with open mind that the problem will be solved and that the two factors are some day to live in friendly cooperation let no one doubt human society bears a charmed life it is immortal and was born with the inherent power or instinct as a law of its being to solve all problems finally in the best form and among these none more surely than that vexed question of our day the relations between these siamese twins which must mutually prosper or mutually decay employer and employed capital and labor two and a half million dollars worth of additional stock was offered by the steel company to workmen this year nineteen o eight and all taken and twenty five thousand more of the employees applied for shares many for one share only and these are to be provided so that nearly one hundred thousand workmen of this company are soon to be shareholders i e part owners having a right to vote with their fellow proprietors and sharing in the profits these workers have their feet upon the ladder and are bound to rise they are very likely to save and invest more and more this is the answer reached by evolution under present conditions to pessimists and revolutionists which our socialist friends should ponder well the strict political economist of our day may look askance at the idea of a minimum wage and a guarantee for the workmen against loss upon their shares in companies in which they hold a minority interest but whatever final form the merger of labor and capital may assume in the distant future these features seem to be essential under present conditions if taxation should be borne only according to ability to pay it is not wholly unreasonable that the workman should not be subject to loss for having only a minimum wage he has no ability to incur loss the exemption of a stated sum from income tax in britain and in america the exemption of the small homestead are examples of this principle should the workmen hold the majority of shares and really manage the business exemption from sharing loss should cease this is only a beginning the filene stores of boston a shareholding company employing seven to nine hundred men has gone farthest of all in the direction of making its employees joint owners the capital stock is held only by employees and is returned to the corporation at its value should the employee leave the service every share of stock belongs to someone working in the stores the most important advance is that all questions are submitted to arbitration not only complaints or disputes but wages scope of work and tenure of employment more than four hundred cases of arbitration have arisen and the result is that both managers and employees have been satisfied that this is the true plan 
when an employee is discharged he has the right to appeal to an arbitration board composed of fellow employees of different grades all wage disputes have been satisfactorily settled there is a profit-sharing department having nothing to do with wages which has been able to distribute varying amounts each year there is also a welfare committee of the shareholders which manages a clubhouse and maintains lunch and recreation rooms the insurance committee furnishes five classes of assurance at cost two-thirds of the workers are insured the bank pays five per cent upon deposits of employees which are guaranteed by the corporation the publication committee issues a monthly paper many features of a social and educational nature are enjoyed by the employees throughout the year and an atmosphere has been produced of great value to the business and to the members it may be added that the filene stores are not excelled if equaled in making profits their goods are turned over ten times some years six or seven times being the average and the stores are among the foremost and best known in boston no doubt the brothers filene are remarkable men and recognized leaders in this work but we may expect their example to impress others particularly since their profit-sharing and stock-owning plans have been vindicated by unusual success from every point of view particularly in improving the relations between employers and employees we are just at the beginning of profit-sharing and the reign of working men proprietors which many indications point to as the next step forward in the march of wage-paid labor to the higher stage of profit-sharing joint partnership workers with the hand and workers with the head paid from profits no dragging of the latter down but the raising of the former up we never see a fishing fleet sail without hailing it as the finest illustration of the perfect relationship which is one day to prevail between capital and labor generally every man in the ship from the capital down is a partner paid by sharing in the profits of the catch according to the value of his labor even the lowest paid probably a young hand not yet an able-bodied seaman could be a partner in the business here is a field capable of immediate and wide extension provided employers agree to fix a minimum wage sufficient to maintain economically the workers household and to this it is believed every fair-minded employer would gladly agree so far we have a list of a hundred and eighty-nine manufacturing concerns in the united states which have welfare departments sales of stock to workmen or other modes of adding to their wages or forms recognizing the community of interest between employers and employed gilman in his book on profit-sharing published in eighteen ninety nine gave the following numbers of profit-sharing firms in the different countries of europe france one hundred and twenty britain ninety four germany forty seven switzerland fourteen italy eight holland seven belgium six austria hungary five it will soon be the exception for employers upon a great scale to ignore this feature eighteen of the principal railroad companies in america have established systems of pensions for their employees as extra recompense the cost borne exclusively by the corporations 
the pension feature like profit sharing is making great headway and promises soon to be universal so marches labor up the heights to equality with the millionaire as his partner in business this ends my quotation from the presidential address to the iron and steel institute in 1903 it will be seen that the writer's views are not of yesterday he has had considerable experience with the labor problem and thought much over it whether the communist's ideal is to be finally reached upon earth after man is so changed that self-interest which is now the mainspring of human action will give place to heavenly neighbor interest cannot be known the future has not been revealed he who says yes and he who says no are equally foolhardy neither knows therefore neither should presume to consider much less to legislate in their day for a future they can know nothing of endowed as man is with the instinct for improvement fortunately no limit to his march toward perfection can be set but what perfection is to be we know not the writer however believes one point to be clear that is that the next step toward improved labor conditions is through the stage of shareholding in the industrial world the workman becoming joint owner in the profits of his labor payment to slaves and serfs by providing shelter and food and clothing for them then by orders upon the stores for articles up to payment by cash to independent workmen today each a great step forward have all been tried and now the coming day dawns when payment is to be made wholly or in part by profit sharing the workman having the status of the share owning official and a voice in management as joint owner he will be guaranteed a minimum wage when finally paid by profits entirely to keep his mind easy and free for his work the proper support of himself and of his family being thus insured it may be mentioned that the investments of workmen partners in the united states steel corporation have been very profitable to both the men and the company to the sober-minded workmen we say again hold fast to that which has proved itself good keep marching upon the path of decided and continuous progress a progress which can be proved by simply glancing backward to conditions under which labor started when work was the part of slaves and contrasting these with its present independent position we have traced the progress of labor upward under present conditions from slavery to partnership with capital what the working man has to consider and consider well is whether this be not the most advantageous path for him to continue to tread so far as it has been tried it has proved a decided success and it can easily be continued since it is proving mutually beneficial to capital and labor one of the greatest advantages the writer thinks will be found in drawing men and managers into closer intercourse so that they become friends and learn each other's virtues for that both have virtues none knows better than the writer who has seen both sides of the shield as employee and employer we only hate those we do not know says the french proverb there is much truth in this in vast establishments it is very difficult almost impossible for workmen and employers to know each other but when the managers and workmen are joint owners and both paid wages as even the president of the company is 
we shall see greater intercourse between them in the case of disputes it is certain that the workmen partners have a status nothing else can give they can attend all shareholders meetings and have a voice there if desired entrance into the partnership class means increased power to workmen on the other hand knowledge of the company's affairs its troubles and disappointments which come at intervals to the most successful concerns will teach the workman much that he did not know before co-partnership tends to bring a realizing sense of the truth to both labor and capital that their interests broadly considered are mutual and as far as the latter is concerned it may finally in some cases be all furnished by those engaged in the works which is the ideal that should be held in view the workman both capitalist and worker employee and employer this however is not for our time we are only pioneers whose duty is to start the movement leaving to our successors its full and free development as human society advances the first company so owned will mark a new era in the relations of labor and capital we may not have to wait long for this experiment since it is in line with recent developments the writer has no desire to embark again in business but nothing would appeal to him so strongly as this ideal he should like to address a body of workmen many thousands in number as all fellow partners he addresses forty-odd at dinner once every year by that endearing term partners of his youth and dear friends of his old age only two ever put a dollar in the business all the others many of them workingmen earned their shares by brilliant service most of them are dollar millionaires all are rich thus is labor soon to attain its deserved place and recompense and workmen and capitalists become one the wage system except a minimum being displaced by division of profits the foregoing was written before the following by john stuart mill attracted the writer's attention Quote, the form of association however which if mankind continue to improve must be expected in the end to predominate is not that which can exist between a capitalist as chief and work people without a voice in the management but the association of the laborers themselves on terms of equality collectively owning the capital with which they carry on their operations and working under managers elected and removable by themselves footnote this quote is from john stuart mill's political economy it is most encouraging that so great an authority as mill foresaw that the ideal condition of the future lay not in state-owned factories and mines uniform wages to workmen and the abolition of private capital as socialists urge but in uniting the workmen and the capitalists in one and the same person the writer is convinced that this is to be the highly satisfactory and final solution the first step in advance has already come in the natural progress of evolution no revolution necessary and it is earnestly pressed upon the attention of the intelligent workingman and his leaders some of whom seem to have been misled into devoting themselves to the advocacy of a system admittedly unsuited to our day which requires an organic change in the relations of society and indeed involves a complete revolution in the nature of man the task of a thousand years 
the experiment of labor and capital union workmen capitalists has exceeded so far all expectations even the convinced socialist might therefore hail it as at least a step in the right direction making labor's position better than before saying to himself let the future bring what it may a bird in the hand is often worth more than a whole flock in the bush our socialistic remedy is for the future let us not forget this in our dealings with the present such seems to the writer the part of wisdom end of section thirteen labor